Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Socially Savvy, broadcasting live here in Woodenville from the Lil Seller Carriage House. I'm your host, LB Duchess, with co-host Jason of Seattle Wine Exchange. Mr. I call you Mac because of your email, but Michael. <laughs> That's okay. That's wine, all right. Our wine guy. Um, we have Greg and Stacy Lil of the Lil Sellers here. Yay. Um, I don't think they have the mic yet. Oh, yeah. We have, we have, like, we have to share mics. It's, we're all in the sharing now. Um, it is the Christmas spirit, you know. It is the Christmas spirit. We have Paula here, uh, Gadsby, and actually I have to share the mic with her. Hello. And finally, our guest speaker on um, how to keep us fit and trim is going to say hi right now. Hi, Amber Teal. Amber, thank you. <laughs> all my notes are all over the place. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for coming and being a part of today's show. Uh, we've got a lot of fun things to cover. Uh, we yes, get to we do, do four different tastings, which we're very excited about. Um, if you haven't popped out here to DeLille Seller's little um, carriage house tasting room, there's not really anything little about it. No. It has been added on, and they have extensions. Um, it's, it's a fabulous place. It is fabulous. It's um, open. It's fun. The staff is great. Of course, the wine is amazing. It's at the roundabout. So if you go through town, Woodenville, it's at the roundabout. And if you uh, t- across the uh, parking lot of Purple Cafe, it's the easiest landmark. Yeah. Right across the street, there's a, you park in the parking lot, there's one stairwell, that's it, you're there. You're there. Done. You're there. So thank you so much for having us here today, Greg. Okay, so today's show is going, we're going to be chatting about what happened to etiquette, as well as how to get the who the holidays with our waistlines intact. Um, we're very excited. I uh, Thanksgiving chatted a little bit about that, uh, enjoying the, the people that you're with as much as you enjoy the food, so slow down. Um, eat a little bit slower, take a little bit more time when you're eating to maybe visit with people. You'll find that you're, you'll get full faster and um, enjoy the company more. That was my little Thanksgiving tip. It was pretty fun. <laughs> I'm sure you're going to have a lot better tips, too. <laughs> okay, so we're going to start off with um, Greg. He's going to tell us a little bit about the Little Sellers and what you guys have done and where you're going. Uh, we're just excited. Well, thanks for being here. It's a lot of fun to uh, have you here and your audience. And um, it's been a fun little thing here. When we started this little carriage house even though DeLille started back in 1992, we're getting ready to rock into our 20th year. I can't believe it. We were the third winery in Woodville. Wow. Today there's over 100 different wineries in Woodville. It's just unbelievable how it's grown. And, um, but we thought it'd be fun as we kind of were seeing our, our, our clientele as they were you know, getting a little bit older. And, and we really wanted to try to tap into that younger, kind of start that next generation of wine lovers at DeLille. We thought the best way to do that is to be out there and, and be accessible and be available, not be in the, you know, even though we got the Chateau on the Hill and it's only open for the private events and things that we do, the carriage house was a way for people to, to get to know us, get to know our wines, become, you know, kind of really part of the family. And that's why we opened the carriage house here about, uh, geez, like a year and a half, two years ago. Wow. And uh, we, we were able to expand it like we have with the outdoor decks and patios, which even on a, a winter night like tonight where we've got the tents, we've oh, got heaters, yes. and you can be outside, which what is outside, and you're nice and warm and toasty, and it's social, and, and we've got, geez, you know, 40, 50, 60 people here right now already that are just <laughs> having a good time enjoying wine. But a little, real quick, we started in 1992, and our goal was really to kind of be 
um, the uh, really one of the first handcrafted Bordeaux-style blend houses in Washington State. We kind of had a, a motto of you know, we were never going to answer a question with, oh, we'd like to do that, but we can't afford it. Oh, we had a budget, and so we had to make less wine. And I heard a great quote. I think it was from Howard Schultz at Starbucks. He said, uh, convenience is the guarantee of mediocrity. And we said, oh, we do I not want to go that. there. That's not where we're going. So uh, we just started with very high quality from the very beginning, got lucky with uh, – with a lot of hard work and uh, some great scores from Robert Parker, you, you know we got a 92 plus our very first year. He named us the little Lafitte Rothschild of Washington State. Wow. Um, our wines, uh, in fact, we're the only winery in the world that was on the Wine Spectator and Wine Enthusiast top 100 list for two years in a row. Oh Nobody in gosh. California or Bordeaux could say that. So we've just had a great run thanks to the great winemaking team with Chris Upchurch and, and Jason and Lewis and my other business partners, Jay Soloff, who handles all the sales and marketing, and my sister Pat and and thankfully, my parents, uh, Charles and Lori, who really helped, uh, they were the bank. They funded it all. Oh, and one yeah. of the, the funnest stories people love to hear is when we were start- they said, how did you start the winery? And I said, well, our family owned the, the 10 acres where the chateau is located since the early 80s. And we were looking, we were fixing it up a lot and improving the property and got to a point where my father said, you know, we need to develop a business here on this property that generates some income to offset all the money we're spending. He said, Greg, why don't you come up with an idea and let me know? And so... It was right about uh, a little about this time of year in 1991, and we would be over in Hawaii for Thanksgiving every year. So he asked me to make sure you come to Hawaii with a business plan for the property in, in Woodenville. And so we kind of dawned on the winery idea because Delille is our French ancestral name. It goes back to the 1200s in France. Oh, and that's wow. where that, the Delille name I comes from. I was going to ask you where that my, came from. Yeah. My last name is Delille, and things got chopped up over the you know 800 years. And we um, – I came there with this winery idea, just thinking like, you know, my my parents are just gonna think I'm crazy, you know, because this was a lot of money and it was, they were very conservative types, and and so we're in Hawaii. I gave my dad the business plan, talked about it after dinner, and my dad says, you know, I really like this idea of starting the winery. It honors our family heritage. I think the time is right. I think we should do this. Wow. And my mom says, well, gee, Charles, if you think it's a good idea, then you know, I'm game. I'm in. You know, I guess we should do this. And they're all kind of looking at me, and then they go to my sister Pat, and Pat says, well, gee, <laughs> mom and dad think it's a good idea, Greg, and. If you think it's a good idea, I guess I'm in. And they look at me and I go, I vote no. And, and they, all, they all look at me like, you know, what do you do in vote no? And I said, well, A, I'm outvoted. And B, if it doesn't work, I can say I told you not to do it. Oh, my God. But uh, anyhow, here we are. We spent more than my business plan said we would. But uh, well, it's been a great thing, ride. Usually what happens. It's been a great ride. Great story. Oh, and it was funny. It. We just talked about on my class today uh, about Parker and how he rated and how, how that affected the, the business and the wine world and all that. And then uh, you were Parkerized. So... That was really cool. Yeah, it, it was. You know, and that that had a that had a, I think a lot bigger impact back then than it does today. I, yeah, I you're think absolutely back back in the '80s, uh, late '80s. Uh, it, if you were Parkerized, that meant about an average of seven percent in your register automatic. Well, it, it you know it made your fax machine run, run like crazy for orders. Remember those days? Our biggest worry was is there enough paper in the yeah. fax machine over a weekend to catch all those orders, which. Today, I don't think we get faxes anymore, so it's all about stuff like this. This is what you're doing right now. This is this is what's making it all happen these days. Cool. Well, and in the wine world, um, it's it's so intimate. It is such um, an engaging part of socializing that I think you lose so much with all the, the virtual side of life. So wine is something that you have to be present for. You have to be a part of. It is, and it's really also something that's kind of become the – I don't want to say the drink of choice of the younger generation, but you know any any movie on or in the movie theaters or on TV shows, whatever, they're, they're swirling glasses of wine. Oh yeah. They're where you know, I remember as a kid back in the you know 
60s watching the, even the Walt Disney movies that the people were drinking, you know, Sammy the Seal, the movie, they're drinking the highballs <laughs> around the pool, you know. And they weren't drinking wine, you know, it was all mixed yep. drinks and things like yeah. that, you know. And now it, it's that glass of wine that's uh, every every kind of social food and or uh, experience on in, in video, you're going to see a wine glass there. It's not just white or red wine. Now you have ver- different varietals of white wine, different varietals of red wine. It's no longer just your classic. What are you going to have? Well, we got a red wine and we got a white red wine. Red. We had a rosé, but we're sitting in the salad. You know, it's now a whole host of different varietals, even in Washington. Yeah, and and like you said, mentioned rosés. Rosés are becoming really popular. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's amazing how and and I give a lot of the credit maybe if you will to the the young sommeliers that are out there in many of these restaurants and you know they're all excited about things like Gruner Veltliner and and all these different varietals that you've just never heard of. Oh absolutely and uh, in fact you know I've been I've actually going back to school and uh been in school for like almost two years now and some of the uh the varietals I've I mean I've never heard of there's there's thousands of varietals out there that are people people don't even heard of it or even heard of it. You know uh uh Gruner's and and uh, and 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 recollects and you know and having you know food and the pairings and the food and the wine from those regions and Appalachians if it goes to, if it grows together it goes together is what I always say and so uh, you know there's get out there and taste get out there and get some education get a class you know I mean you'll be amazed on, on what's out there that's waiting for you that's just a, it's like a book you know every every wine's a book and and discovering a new book and a new chapter and a new food to go with it it's just it's fun it's a lot of fun. It is. Absolutely. In Washington, I think if you take a look at us on a world market, we really, we are a world market. We've stepped out there because of our um, climate to be able to, to be these amazing wines. And yeah, I was talking with some of my friends this afternoon, and I was like so excited to be here because it's like I get to sit with wine royalty. I mean, you guys have set, you know, have put so much passion into this that you're looked upon so well and loved for everything that you have provided and the standard that you've set as well as the you know the the desire and the heart for more wineries to come out and you know create their tasting rooms and invite people in that you know you are a big part of what has made this area what it is today and we're you know we're really proud of that we when we started out here we knew that you know we want to be part of the community we want to be part of Washington wine and and help Washington wine become even more than it was i remember in the old days in the 90s you'd be at a wine tasting in, for instance, like in New York, and they and you say you make wine in Washington, and they kind of look at you like, what side of the Potomac are you on, or something like that, you know? And, <laughs> and then they finally thought that if you were in Washington, they thought you were you were making Pinot, you know, because they'd heard of Oregon oh, Pinot yeah. so much, you know? We said, no, that that's Oregon. They do a great job. We don't do that in Washington. And, right. and then it kind of became Walla Walla. Walla Walla really brought on Washington really well. And um, but now they 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 get Woodenville and they understand Woodenville, and it's been it's been a lot of fun, and we're really proud that at Delo we've we've actually kind of spawned off probably three different wineries from our winemakers, or assistant winemakers that. that worked here. Um, we've got um, here tonight, we've got the new owners of Betts Family Winery, uh, Bridget and Steve Griesel. Oh, and awesome. And the Betts Family made their first two vintages of wine at the Little Cellars. Uh, wow. We let Bob have space in the cellar, and we didn't charge him rent, and we just said, you got to give this opportunity to somebody else one day when you have your own winery as well. And he did that and for uh, that Ross yet. Mickle when he started uh-huh. Ross Andrew Winery. So we're all trying to here to kind of perpetuate all the... The good, the good stuff. That's kind of cool, kind of going into what we've talked about in the 
last couple of shows, and that's paying it forward. Right? Yes, so, most definitely. So, well, uh, <laughs> and this, you know, it, it's funny because this economy has kind of created that um, that thought process again of you know reaching down to help the next mm-hmm. person up, Absolutely. and the more that you do that, the stronger your community becomes. Um, you know, just socially, um, they become richer in culture. You become richer in education because there's now a desire. There's things feeding you. Uh, we were talking a little bit about a story in, in the entry week here about college kids and. Uh, I had a little thing get together for my son's birthday, and all the kids, I was drinking a glass of wine, and they were romanced by it. They weren't there to drink. They wanted to know about the wine. They wanted to know, you know, what the different types were, and it's bringing our culture to, I think, almost a little bit more of a mature level versus, you know, so much of the, oh, let's just drink to drink. It's like, no, let's talk about the wine. What do you taste in it? What do you smell in it? And the great thing about it is you can't say anything wrong. It's what your interpretation is, what your experience is. I, I absolutely love it. Love, love it. Yeah, it's definitely a really tight community, the wine industry. So, especially in Washington State, if you get over to the uh, the growing regions in the Yakima Valley, they all some, some of them share the same equipment. You know, yeah. as far as you know, harvest goes. It's a big, huge family. On. Yeah, we do that here in Woodinville. You know, yeah. people share. Hey, my pump broke down. You know, and yeah. so they come by and we get loan your equipment out and 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 we love to work together and do things together. In fact. Uh, I got to leave a little early tonight because I got to go do a winemaker dinner from an auction that we donated that uh, we did with Eric Dunham, and so Eric and I have got to be together doing a winemaker dinner oh, uh, to, uh, together tonight. So it's fun to kind of, like I said, hang together, work together, and yeah, and uh, kind of just spread the word about washing wine. Yeah, and at the at the pace we're growing, I don't think that anyone's ever going to be able to stop us. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. we do have this first wine in front of us, and I'm not yes. sure who is going to tell us about it, but it looks delicious. It smells fabulous. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Let me uh, let me see if I can't find. Uh, let's see if we can't get Deb Saddleman. She's our carriage house manager here, and Deb is great at this because she does this all day long with people and does a fantastic <laughs> job. Right, so, Deb. so Deb, you get to tell them about the wine. Yay! So the first wine is our uh, white Bordeaux blend, Chaleur mm-hmm. Estate Blanc, Ooh. Um, a mm. blend of Sauvignon Blanc and Semillon. Now this wine is barrel fermented. It's aged in about 70% new French oak, and then it's aged on the lees for about six months as well. So the lees is the sediment at the bottom of the barrel from the yeast, and each week we take that and stir it up and let it fall through the wine again. And that's going to um, help create a more creamy, mm-hmm. viscous mouthfeel to this wine. Mouthful. That's I what I'm getting. Yeah, is it's this beautiful mouthful of wine. It's a very complex wine. It, it continues to um, reveal itself to you as you keep tasting it. Um, it's a white wine that will age beautifully. How, how long would you say that you can let this sit and open it successfully? So our, yeah, our first vintage of this wine was 1999, and uh-huh. I was lucky enough to try a 1999 bottle of this about a month ago wow and it was divine that's a the word because i don't have any other words about how beautiful and gorgeous that wine was this wine has been served at the white house for the past three administrations for various state dinners throughout the year so that's our little claim to fame on this one which is kind of cool it is it's delicious yeah you can smell i mean you can smell and i Tell me what's the difference between like when you stir the leaves up and you let it filter down on its own versus because some people might mistake in this. The, I could smell it, mm-hmm. but some people might like oh it's butter. It's got this. They automatically think it's ML. Right. So what what would you say the difference between the two are? It, to me, the wine feels more viscous and creamy as opposed to that buttery that you would find on a lot of Chardonnay. 
And it's right. not as well. I could tell right just visually. I mean, if it was uh, really ML, it was rack or it was in an oak barrel for a long period of time, you would certainly say it's yellow. It's more right. like a straw. It is a light straw, yeah. And uh, and it's it's, it's pale. To, I'd say almost pale to straw, but it's got a great color on it, and uh, and that's what the difference for me would be visually yes. to see that and smell it and get a confirmation right. on that. Exactly. But uh, absolutely, it's a, it, it does have a nice mouth feel. It does. It's Good just, acid on it, too. Yes, and it's a very food-friendly wine. It's mm. going to go with all types of different types of food. A p- wonderful pairing is something with cream or butter sauce. Uh-huh. Um, think of scallops or um, clams, that type of thing. It's yep. really wonderful. Or and those are good foods itself. because something that's <laughs> high in butter that like, coats your palate, you need something with a little more acid on it to kind to of break kind through, of break through yeah. and, and, and really go with that food. So. This has really good acid, and that's probably why your 99 probably had a good year uh, as far as acidity mm-hmm. goes on the on the varietal. Right. I uh, was able to go that long and still uh, taste wonderful. I'm sure yeah. it was, like, really rounded off and just smooth. Gorgeous. Uh, and those tropical fruit flavors mm-hmm. come out and more so than the, the citrus flavors. It was nice. All I know is my glass is empty. <laughs> well, we could probably you know figure that's out how okay to fix too. that. <laughs> Are we ready for the next wine? Um, or, or not yet? Uh, yeah, we'll if, we and, uh, if we want to go ahead and... If we want to go ahead and pour. Then we'll we'll start on our first story. Okay, um, great. Jason, I think we're, you and I are going to chat a little bit because yeah. this ties right into our New Year's yeah, event that's, that's coming up. Yes. Um, so you were the one who uh, turned me on to what day today is. Okay. So tell us a little bit about it. Uh, today is National Repeal Day, back when Prohibition was repealed. In, uh, and aren't nine, we thankful? Yeah, December 5th, 1933, uh, Utah was the final state needed for a three-quarters majority to ratify the 21st Amendment, repealing prohibition and restoring the American right to celebratory drink. While the amendment still allowed for state and local levels of prohibition, by 1966, there was no state laws banning alcohol. And why this is important, this is when people of America decided that we don't need to have, uh, that was bad English, that we do not need to have the government involved in our lives that we can right. you know, take care of it. Well, and what um, what started it was, and a, this phrase just hit me, lips that touch alcohol shall not touch ours. This was a women's movement in the early 1900s. Yes. Um, at the turn of the 20th century, was considered one of the darkest times in America. Um, the Women's Christian Temperance Union was the one who started it and promoted prohibition for years, believing alcohol was the cause of many, if not all, social yes. ills. Mistruths like this were spread, lines were drawn, um, bars and taverns were vandalized, people were killed. And so then on January 16th of 1919, Congress passed the 18th Amendment outlawing alcohol um, and putting, with the idea of putting an end to drunkenness, crime, mental illness, and poverty. Well, you know, yeah, I, that didn't happen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, ironically, uh, America's thirst for alcohol increased on prohibition. That's, there's no secret there. Everybody knows about the organized crime that rose up to replace the legal methods of production and distribution. You know, the, the law was like you could have alcohol for medicinal purposes. Yeah. Everybody uh, can find I, a reason I, my to throat have alcohol. Hurts. I need some whiskey. Yeah. Um, uh, while proponents of prohibition argue that the amendment would be more effective if enforced were increased, respect for the law diminished in drunkenness, crime, and resentment towards the federal government ran rampant. And you can see a lot of this in a lot of movies and series that are coming uh, on right now. You have Boardwalk Empire built over in New York, Chicago, which talks about Bugsy and, and Cal- Capone and all, yeah. and all that. Yep. Then you have uh, The Cotton Club, which is another yes. movie in 82, talked about it. And then there's the uh, repeal prohibition movie and our uh, series on PBS. 
uh, talks about exactly what what it was about you know the women's temperance and also the start of uh, Alcohol Anonymous started way back then, which is still prevalent today for those that uh, have uh, issues drinking, which they they're just their body their body their, doesn't their have mental. the ability to manage. What it properly, was important yeah. that I guess should be brought up about this, and uh, we'll go more, is it brought up a discussion about who we are as a people. Before it was kind of like the outlaw West, you deal yeah. a lot. Now it kind of had a discussion at the tables. It's kind of like, well, the the law is you can't drink. So as people around the table, fathers, mothers, they would argue back and forth, well, I want a whiskey. And it was like it, it actually opened up a conversation, which led to... To where we ended up over the course of the next well, 13 years. Well, and the thing about prohibition is it's not the first time in history that... Uh, a government or a senate had like stopped uh, drinking. You know, actually, the Roman Senate at one point right. uh, actually true. stopped drinking, uh, and it was called Bacchan- Bacchanale. Uh, yeah. And so, the more you drank, the more you know things would happen. So, yeah. well, <laughs> and typically, you know, they've proven that um, if you, well, for instance, I'm going to derail mm-hmm. just a little bit. I know um, a lot of the midwifery. If um, a woman is having a hard time carrying a baby to term, they will actually um, tell her to have a half a glass of wine a night mm-hmm. to relax the body so that she can carry the baby to full term. Well, wine has a lot of different properties. It has a lot of health You know, uh, in, the, in, yeah. the, in the wars, or the World War One, and the, even earlier than that, uh, the French Wars, uh, That would, they, if you had a cut, they would pour wine on your cut. Yep. Uh, yep. It also um, had a lot of, uh, you know, ailments, like stomach ailments. Right. Um, the, uh, back in the 80s, uh, the, the uh, 60 Minutes did a whole uh, show on the French Paradox. You know, why are these guys, they smoke more, they eat more butter fat, they eat more greasy foods, and why yet they, they live better? longer yeah. and have less heart, heart disease, disease and and, uh, and cancer. And uh, a lot of it was contribute to red wine. Yes. Three glasses of red wine a day. So. Well, and interestingly enough, you know, back there, they then they didn't have most of the knowledge. So Absolutely. over the course of the 13 years that Prohibition went on, um, they finally awoke to the problems that it had caused. It took right. 13 years Absolutely. to walk through and realize that they had bitten off more than they could chew. Um, the number of repeal organizations, many of which were compromised, a former prohibitionist increased. And in 1932, Franklin Delano Roosevelt ran for president on a platform that included the repeal of prohibition. Um, so now, I mean, once it went away, now we celebrate it because it's, it's another form of our freedom. Um, You know, our constitutional rights were put into effect to ensure our freedom. And with the addition of that 18th Amendment, it actually took away some of those freedoms. So some of us celebrated, you know, just as importantly as the fourth. This gets lost in our news today. We watch the news over there in Egypt and the tapping around the world. This is what Mm -hmm. makes America great. You know, land of the free. A lot of people think, oh, it's free. You should be able to do what you want. It's like, no, not exactly. It's freedom of choice within certain boundaries. But... That's you know you know um, why we celebrate this is that the you know, prohibition ends at last you know 13 years of prohibition were a dark time for the United States as criminalization of alcohol led to not only the raise of civil delinquencies organized crime but also to a loss of uh, customs associated with production preparation consumption of alcohol what that means is that when you had you know around my table I'm French and Spanish. And we, we did combo. Nothing, huh? <laughs> Me too. Yeah. You know, there's, we don't sit around like a table like this. We're sitting around the little cellars. There's a table in the back room. It sits approximately uh, 10 people. Nice wood table. It's beautiful with a little candle on it. It would be like my family. We're on Sunday night dinners. We'd all talk about, and it wasn't like it wasn't really necessarily all about politics. It was about how was your day to day? How Discussing was the your week? life? How was right? Yeah. And that was lost because you know 
or maybe gain, depending on your view. It's still, you know, that still uh, is followed over in Europe. I lived in England for a year, and they still do that over there. Uh, you know, you go to a pub, and that's where you do it. Actually, you don't do it in, a, in someone's house. You usually do it at a pub. Yeah. So the kids come, the dog comes, the whole family goes, and you talk about politics, just life in general. And it was a, a place you can gather and just have a good time and talk about it's politics. It's say that. Certain restaurants, even in town, are starting mm-hmm. to do that. They call it communal oh. tables. Oh, yes, the, uh, I have heard yeah. of that, yes. uh, the Willows, they have yes. a big long yes. table. That's uh, pretty downtown, cool. Uh, Cafe Campania does it. Now, mm-hmm. long do we sit next to each other and say, there's a lot that do that. To sit there and, hello, neighbor, how are you? You may not get into uh, a big conversation, but it's at least... Sometimes you do, though. It I've opens the forum to be social again. Um, you know, and that's why we, re- that's why we mm-hmm. celebrate it, because December 5th marks the return of um, rich traditions of crafting fermented and distilled um, beverages, the legacy of Americans, bartenders as a contributor to the culinary arts and the responsibility um, to enjoy alcohol appropriately. Uh, wine has been such a rich part of our history, uh, going all the way back to the beginning of anything that anybody can remember. So uh, just like everything else, what we're going to be talking about you know, a little bit later, you know, etiquette, everything, there's boundaries and there's a certain way about doing everything, but it does bring culture and I think a lot of richness back to our lives. Absolutely. And you know, another thing was is that a lot of wineries, you know, after Prohibition started, it really killed the industry as a whole. But what kept some of the uh, up-and-coming wineries that you know, past that, go past that period, was that we went from producing wine to sacramental wine. And so yes. that kept them in business for uh, through the prohibition years, and then when they came out of that, they were already ready to go. So yeah. a lot of them did that, and in fact, in a lot of European uh, um, wineries um, that were during the French Revolution were owned by monks. Yes. So uh, it was until uh, the 1855 classification where uh, Napoleon came out and said, uh, "We are going to." take all the vineyards back, and then we're going to auction them off to the highest bidder to support his war. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, a lot of things happen through history and, you know, and prohibition, and, and, and there's some good things that come out of it and some bad things that come out of it. So, you know, a lot of things that, you know, socially that we have to just learn from our past and then go forward with it. So, And that's the key. And, you know, just on, you know, a lot of times towards the end there, they how they got a lot of the, the mobsters and the gangsters. It wasn't because they were selling the alcohol, because all the the police and the sheriffs and the local authorities were being paid off. Yeah. You know what they got? Mm-hmm. What the biggest one they got? Tax. They didn't pay their taxes. They showed that, hey, you're making yeah. all this money. Exactly. Where's our Where's cut? The, Where's and our we lo- got in. Go ahead. And they lost a lot of uh, revenue because yeah. of that. Yeah. So yeah. that's how a lot of Capone, uh, you know, Bugsy. They picked uh-huh. up all so that. You're going to yeah. jail. You're going to jail. For not paying your taxes. <laughs> so pay your taxes. Well, the one thing that's nice about this is it's conveniently located between Thanksgiving and Christmas, and it's at a time when most Americans are probably not spending time with family. Repeal Day presents a wonderful occasion to get together with friends and pay tribute to our constitutional rights. Yes. We have the the constitutional ability to do so, so celebrate it. Yep. And with that, today's show is brought to you by DeLille Wine Cellars. We're going to go into our second tasting, and um, Jason, I think you're going to take it. Oh, actually, our tasting room, Deb. It's going to tell us all about professional? it. We always talk about that. I was saying, that. no, it's nice to have the professional tell us about it. So what is this beautiful ruby? So the second wine is a Provence-style red blend, um, so a Southern Rhone blend, um, two-thirds Syrah, one-third Cabernet with just um, 4% Mavet and 1% Cinso in there. Cinso, wow. Cinso. That's not a word I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I will now. Yes. Uh, native Rhone varietal, um, quite a large grape adds just a lot of juiciness to the wine. This is a beautiful, easy to drink 
red wine. I, I call it an everyday drinking wine because it's that wine you can pull off the um, the wine rack any day, and it's going to go with a lot of different types of foods, or it's great just in a glass all by itself. My word for this one's yummy. Just yummy. You don't <laughs> need everybody to describe it. That's my word. Yeah. So this wine is um, also has a little story behind it. Um, X was blended by our winemaker, Chris Upchurch, on the day that he got married to serve to the wedding guests. Oh, my gosh. And, that is amazing. Um, everyone that attended the wedding loved the wine so much that they decided to incorporate it into our portfolio. So it's been made and part of our portfolio ever since. And wow. this June, Chris's daughter got married, and this wine was also served oh, at I love that. her wedding. So we're calling it the wedding wine. So you truly are creating tradition around all of it. Yes. Yes. Oh, it's delicious. Delicious, yummy. My favorite word, yummy. It's great. I was actually um, bought futures into this wine when it was first released, and I remember standing in that line to pick up my wine, and mm-hmm. there was a line of people behind me willing to pay me double to get my six bottles that I had, you know, purchased in yes. advance. It was amazing, and I still have three of those, oh, and I covet them. I mean, it's just should. like, it's, it's really amazing. Yes. So how long would you say that you could let this wine sit um, and, and open it and indulge in it and oh, go, you go, wow? You go wild on this one. It's got good acid, yes. a lot of acid on it. So I would say eight or more years Oh, love that. One. Love it. See, and this is one of the things that I, I wanted to point out is, a lot of Washington wines are made to drink today right. because we are such a wine hungry and we are such a new culture to wine in this area. Uh, but to have some of these wines that you guys are thinking, you know, yeah, they're great to drink today, but wait till eight years, wait till 10 years, wait till, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to trying to get my hands on some that are 20, 25 years where I can actually pass them to my kids and, and they can benefit from maybe I don't get to drink them, but hey. Well, I think a lot of times it starts from the winemaker, and when he's when he's thinking of the wine, he, he's not necessarily thinking, okay, well, I'm going to release this in production, and then uh, this will be really good 5, 10, 15 years down the road. They're thinking, well, because uh, the consensus say that 80% of all wine is just bought is consumed hours? within 48 hours. 48 hours, yeah. So a winemaker has to think about it, and especially, especially wine, uh, wineries that are just popping up. Mm-hmm. They have a mortgage at the pay. They well, got yeah. land they got to pay for. And that's what I'm for. saying they about the Washington wines. Expense, We're right. so they can't new. sit on wine for right. six, seven years and then release it. They got to release it now and then get that revenue going. So well, and one of the other things that I learned that a lot of people don't realize is there um, is a different kind of blending that goes on when you are um, putting together a wine to sit with the intention to sit for a long period of time. It's a different thought process yeah. than the the blending to be able to drink right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. I still remember when, you know, like probably 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I used to go, you know, you know, harvest, and you would have a lot of wineries doing vertical tasting. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was everywhere. And now you're lucky to find one or two that do vertical tasting. Uh, and so that's where a lot of the markets really changed and impacted how a winemaker makes wine and thinks about wine. So. And all of our wines are built and made to age. Um, and as we talk about aging, it's really important for people to understand how they like their wines. Not everyone likes older wines. Um, many people, many Americans, like those newer fruit-forward wines. Yep. And as the wines age, it's more of those secondary, those tertiary flavors that come mm-hmm. out in the wines, and not everyone likes that. So it's Knowing and understanding that about yourself before saying, how long will this wine age? Because mm-hmm. you may not like it old. 
as what is recommended. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, you know, in your times I'm like, I'm smelling or a wine and it's like, oh, it smells like wet dog or, you know, or it's uh, basement or, uh, you know, cellar, you know, and I like some of those, you know, dirty, you know, mushroomy right. uh, characters that come through on some of the older wines, you know, just, and that's great too. So, but I also like the big fruit too, so it just yeah. depends. Exactly. <laughs> well, and I'm going to throw an idea for weddings coming up. Um, around Christmas time, I thought this was such a great idea that people would buy wine for the five-year anniversary, ten-year yes. anniversary, then twenty-year anniversary, and what a great gift yes. um, as oh, a couple yeah. to get wine that you already know in five years or ten yes. years or twenty years. It's going to age, and to have that special moment, such a great idea for the holidays. Yes. Um, and holiday time is also a time where you'll find a lot of um, large format bottles available. And um, a lot of couples will purchase a large format bottle and use that as their guest book and have people sign the bottle. Oh, oh I love idea. that. <laughs> yes. On a five or ten year anniversary. So wow. That's, that's a fun idea as well. That's awesome. I know I'm coming up on my 25 year anniversary here in a couple of years. So I was thinking of do, doing something fun like that. Um, when my boys were uh, born, I got ports. Well, unfortunately, one of the, the boys' years, they didn't produce a port that was, because um, ports, this one particular one, they didn't have every year. Um, and so there they sit, and the kids are just, they're just waiting. And I'm, I'm thinking about making them wait till they're 40, but I got to check and see if the port's going to last that long, you know. But I love the, the, the whole, again, you know, it just brings, it can span decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It can span decades. So, Deb, uh, when you talk about large format bottles, what do you mean? Um, Magnums, which is a 1.5 liter bottle. So that's um, two bottles of wine mm-hmm. in there. But then um, we have three liter bottles, six liter oh, bottles. They're really, big, they're really big. And they're fun to have at a dinner party. And when you're done, they make beautiful centerpieces. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to go ahead and pop into the program, um, what it is to be socially savvy, brought to you by Sweet Talk Wipes. Just like our hands, our cell phones need to be regularly cleaned and detoxified. Order yours today at www.sweettalkwipes.com. Okay. Our topics are what it is to be etiquette and how to survive the holidays with your waistline. Um, I'm, it's interesting how we came about this. I think the timing was a big part of it. <laughs> and uh, the whole etiquette thing has come up so often on the show and mm-hmm. in, in social media, you know, what people are saying, what they're Important. not saying, um, how people are treating each other. Uh, we've become in this, this need to try to survive. You have almost this titanic, I'm drowning thought process going where people who who by nature are normally polite, courteous, considerate people um, face-to-face. They, face-to-face. They become, when they get um, well, traumatized, but when they feel like they're quote-unquote drowning, they start pulling on people around them. Yeah. Um, and I think as a culture, we really need to start pushing some of that etiquette again. We need to start putting it out in the forefront that there is a level of expectation. If you're going to come into my house, if you're going to come into my life, if you're going to be around me, um, I don't want you dropping F-bombs you know, in right. a restaurant or walking down the middle of a high-end department store where there's children. You know, I don't want, there, there's certain standards that if we start pushing again, and I almost look at it, you know, you don't have to be rude, you don't have to be mean, think like an elephant. If an elephant leans you on you long enough, you're going to move. Yeah. Uh, that's all there is to it. So, uh, And it's computers too, on social online, I think a lot of things are lost when as you're behind the screen, it's like, haha, you can't see me, so I'm going to be mean and say rude things, like that's not socially savvy. Well, and I think that a lot of it's also linked to the fact that people don't feel well. 
Yes. They're, they don't feel good about themselves. Yes. They, they don't feel that they look well physically. They don't feel good. They have headaches. They're not sleeping well. And that comes out. When we're yes. tired and run down, we act completely different than when we're recharged. Well, and there's a saying that I used to say uh, that I tell people all the time. Um, we are not defined by who we are at our best. We're defined by who we are at our worst. Very true. And, and that's a hard pill to swallow. You know, that's a, that when you're looking in the mirror at that person, you're like going, oh, you know, but you do. You have to just grab it, own it, and move on. And it's hard for all of us, especially if you're a go-getter and you're a pusher and you're motivated. It's hard to look in the mirror and go, you know, I just stepped on somebody. You know, how do you fix that? Well, you kind of have to suck it up. You've got to be gracious. You've got to go back. If it means going back and apologizing, even if it means you're going to get slapped in the face for it later, you still need to go through that process, not because of them, but because of you. It begins a healthier way. That's hard. That's a lot hard. of people don't do it, and it's really hard. And my husband would tell you that I'm probably – I don't do that so well <laughs> with him. Um, but it is. It's part of our learning and growing, and I feel like yeah. etiquette will help us start to go back. So Very with true. that, um, let's define etiquette. Uh, the customary code of polite behavior in society or among members of a particular profession or group. Um, and then, of course, polite, having or showing behavior that is respectful and considerate of other people. If, if I could just get those two little things stuck in everyone's head, I think it Very would true. make um, monuments of difference. Yeah. And conscientious and, yes. you know, paying attention to other people. And thinking about their needs and maybe putting their needs first instead of always thinking about yourself. And we've really lost that. It's it's really sad from customer service to how we treat, you know, our family and how we treat our friends. It is. We're, we're switching mics around. <laughs> <laughs> you can see these fun things if you show up live. Oh, my gosh. Set. The, the antics. Thing. We've got cords all over the place, but again, you know, some things haven't changed. I mean, yeah. you can um, speak to the very first book, Emily Post, and um, yes, which you brought. I, I oh my it. god, I read the 18th edition. It's a huge book, and actually, um, Anna Post, her great granddaughter, was in Seattle just about a month ago, and I was lucky enough to attend um, her book um, chat. And it was really incredible. Some things have not changed. And, um, you know, it's all about being thoughtful and being conscientious and saying please and thank you. What was that again? Thoughtful, (laughs) conscientious. Um, You get more flies with honey than with Mm -hmm. vinegar. That's how I was raised. And, uh, you know, a little goes a long way. And... uh, you know, it's interesting that the main, you know, basics around etiquette have not changed. Yep, the, the, the backbone of it is still predominant today. It, the, some of the, the social acceptable, you know, we're, we're more relaxed than right. we used to be. No, it is. But a lot of the backbone of it hasn't changed. And one of the things that I love that you did in this book, and I, I wrote it out so that I would make sure to cover it, was um, here's what etiquette is not. And I felt it was really important because what I've learned is people don't, they think they know the defini- definition of a word. They think they know what something means. And our culture is so lazy that what um, we think is, not what it truly is. We have to go back and start re-educating. We have to yes. go back and check the definitions. Um, there, I love to use this as an example. Um, back when I was a little kid, my mother would say, well, we're going to go up to Sears on um, Holman Road. And so I was thinking, um, okay, so we're going to go up to Holman Road. So I remember I was like 15, 16, we're driving down the road, and I'm like going, where's Holman Road? 
I'm thinking, I'm looking for this sign that says Holman Road. Well, it was Holman Road. <laughs> and what it reminded me was, as a little kid, you hear certain things when you're learning about right. things, and you get an, a concept in your head, and you mm-hmm. believe that to be factual, unless you get corrected, unless somebody takes the time. This this last you know several decades, our parents didn't correct us on things like that, where if you went 50, 60, 70 years um, before, our parents were so tuned to the little nuances, uh, no, honey, that's Holman Road, or no, honey, you don't pick up that fork, you use this fork. We are so rushed, we don't pay attention to the small details, and, you know, for whatever it's worth, there's pluses and minuses to it, but I think right now we're dealing a lot with the minuses from it. Right. I mean, the devil is in the details, you know, that's yes. how we all were, or most of us were, we're born raised. and raised, but yeah. I think... You know, just the simple things. Remember, you know, one thing, if anything, say please. You know, please, may I, thank you, not hey, thanks. Yeah. Um, Those are the little things that, you know, I learned. That go along, um, yeah. That go a really long way. You know, a thank you card. I mean, they talk a lot. It's interesting in this book. They talk a lot about, um, you know, the new social nuances and, um you know, Facebook and text messaging. Text messaging. <laughs> right and up a wall. Facebook is what started the show. I'm telling you. I yeah. just, it set me right <laughs> over the top. I had this socially savvy was conceived out of Facebook and the lack of respect it just drove me right up a wall. Right. You know, it's kind of things for our kids too. Don't say what, say yes. Say yes. When Don't you, say oh, yes. When Don't you, say what, say pardon. That yes. was the big thing yes. with my mom. Like pardon. And also when you pick pardon. up the phone, some kids do that. They're like, what? What a, it's like, no, say this is a so-and-so restaurant. Oh, hello, what can I do for you? Yes. Teaching. Right. But again, you know, that comes from teaching. So, yeah. And it's softened. I mean, it's nice to know that we don't have to follow, you know, very specific rules. But there are a couple of things that you can do I that think we need are to step it up very again. Yeah. kind and thoughtful and conscientious. Exactly. Um, that go real they go a long way. way. <laughs> kind of like chivalry. We all say, yeah. oh, is chivalry dead? But when that no. person opens that door for you... Yeah, that's Here, what you remember. Here's something that matches for today's world with uh, socially acceptable on Facebook or any forum. You know, there's it's okay to argue with your friends. I know that LB and I and Mike and I, we have these great discussions. There are other people, politics is a big issue where it's not meant for you to take it personally. So if you're a part of it, remember, you are in control of how someone hears you, not how they understand it. Exactly. So when you're talking in a conversation on Facebook, you know, try to keep it, down a notch. Don't say you're this or you're that. Say, you know, it's been my opinion. And that goes a long way when you're trying to have a conversation where you're amongst friends to open it up. I have a great friend. He's very much different political stance than I am. But yeah, we can have a conversation by keeping it non-personal, just like we have an open conversation. I think that's what's being missed because you'll see a lot of conversations Too on many Facebook opinions. forums. Oh, yes. Yeah. So and, like, and it's great because we all are raised, we all have separate opinions. But when you're yes. talking about them, talk about them from your perspective. Don't be taking your conversation and pointing at the other person Open telling them line with they have opinion. to believe. Yes. That goes a long yes. way. They don't have pointing. to believe. It's your opinion, not exactly. that of... Same thing with wine, words. too. Yeah. So let you know, oh. wine goes that way. I think there's a lot of things, unfortunately, that go that way. way. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so I want to cover here real quick what etiquette is not. Etiquette is not a set of rigid rules. Manners oh. change with times as Post, Emily Post emphasized in the beginning, and today are more flexible than ever. Etiquette isn't a set of prescriptions for properness, but merely a set of guidelines for doing things in ways that make, I want to emphasize, in ways that make people feel comfortable. Right. 
Very true. We've gone back about this over and over and over again. If you're going to be social, people have to be comfortable around you. Right. If you are antagonistic, if you get up in people's face, they're going to go the other way. You're, the whole purpose of being social is lost on you. Right. Yes. So no matter what you're doing, even if you're, you're passionate about something, be passionate from a, a point of view where it's positive and, and it's, they can see that it's close to you, not passionate from a point of view where you have to see what I'm saying and you know, damn you if you don't. You've got to make sure people are comfortable. Well, and I think that comes from a place of people want to be right. They do. We are addicted to being right. We we just let go that we don't have to be right, but that we can just share from our heart who we are. Yes. It makes a big difference. But everyone's trying to be right. Exactly. um, No, no, no. I'm right. You can say, in my opinion. I'm right. (laughs) One of the things that they say is, if you, you, you have a choice in life, you can be right or you can be happy. And I can't even tell you how many times that it really comes down to that. Um, We're going to do a show in January. January is going to be a bunch of very serious shows. But one of the ones we're going to do is um, being married is not popular anymore. It is very unpopular because um, if somebody's in a long-term relationship, it unjustifies the 75% that have struggled um, by many people's standards because of the whole opinion thing. And, you know, I'm of the opinion people struggle. You know, some people make it through marriages. Some people don't. But there Some needs people to be never a get married. Some people never get Not married. Not choice. Just, just the know, life, how because. life takes you. Um, you know. And, you know, to me, that's a perfect example of everybody, everybody's coming from life at a different place. You know, you True. talked about that. We had a show at a, at a gallery in uh, Bellevue about relationships and while being single. There were a lot of single folks there talking about it. And what it brought out, regardless if you're married or single or just dating, it's about the truth. That's where the etiquette comes in. This is like if you're right. truthful to the person that you're dating, say this is who I am instead of like this is who I think you, that you want me to be. Right. Goes a long yes. way. Yes. Uh, LB and I have been married for a very long time separately. I thought I didn't know that. I didn't know you were married. <laughs> Brett's not like here. I Good. just saw your wife. Yeah. No, she's over here. Is that next week? Is <laughs> <laughs> is our biggest thing is that in our relationship is there's no lies. Not just in my relationship with my wife, Valari. But also with my friendship with LB and Mike, we can talk open and say, you know what, LB, one time I really had a headache. It was honest. I didn't have to say, well, you know, I've got to paint the garage and, you know, the Martians are... No, you can honestly say something. And I think in relationships, both romantic, sexual, or even just friends, I there think I'm yeah. losing that, you know, that, um, I'm going to be honest with you. I just can't make it. Yeah, integrity. I think yes. the word's integrity. Exactly. You doing know. what you say. Say what you mean. Saying what you mean and doing what you it's say. Okay. My husband, that's his favorite phrase. On Inca's, Facebook, it's okay to say no way. to an event. Yeah. I, I just recently um, was asked out on a, on a date and I Ooh, accepted. I know. Yeah. Um, but the interesting thing is, is the day that the date came on, there is a confirmation. Oh, and God. Then nothing, nothing, no call, no, you know, let's meet no here. So and I went, you know, okay, gosh, where's the integrity in that? Here's someone that spoke of, you know, I'm this and I'm that. Come to find out um, two weeks later, feeling bad, you know, I'm really sorry I didn't call. Something horrible happened. And I said, you could have told me that, and I would have been so respectful of where you were coming from. Yeah, but dropping the ball and dropping leaving you standing the ball there for two weeks. standing made, no. you know, left kind of a bitter taste in my mouth. Further in the relationship, too. You like, know, okay, does. so we're just yeah. kind of halfway down. What happens if, like, I'm handling the bill, or you're handling the bill, and then you're like, oh, oh I forgot to pay the mortgage, and then they got a yeah. knock on the door. I, I, you start the relationship right. Be right. a little weird. And you yeah. don't have to 
you know, express everything, but just being honest and mm-hmm. having that integrity. A lot of people long. don't know how to communicate. Picking up the phone, you know, I can't make it. I And I've taught my kids this because for some reason the schools seem to want to have detailed information why the, my children aren't in school. Um, I'm the parent. I don't owe you anything. <laughs> I get a little sassy. But um, I've trained my children to say, you know, we've got a family private matter going on. And if they push, I tell the boys, here's my parents' phone number. There, There is a point where your, proprietor, or your propriety and um, and reaching out there and saying, this is what's going on, but I'm not willing to share, that's okay. And as a society, we need to allow that to be okay. It's just like I agree. letting people, you know, yeah. let's agree to disagree. You and I are on opposite sides of the fence. Let's agree to disagree. It's right. not a big deal. It's you not going to stop the world. That, right. that actually goes into the uh, three basic rules or principles for etiquette. You know, respect, consideration, and honesty. Yes. That's where we're, we're – actually, we yep. jumped way ahead on that one. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, let's let's chat about here real quick over the, the things that etiquette is not. Etiquette is not something for the wealthy or well-bred. It's a code of behavior for people from all walks of life, every social economic group and of all ages. No one is immune to having their life enhanced by good manners. Um, Agreed. Etiquette yeah. is not a thing of the past, okay? This this is one thing where, um, and, and I don't like to stereotype one group over another, but Right now in our culture, men struggle with this only because they're put in such a bad position when it comes to women and their rights, quote, unquote, and men trying to be chivalrous and be nice, like opening a door. Well, what, you don't think I can open a door? I've told my boys, I said, some woman, you know, bops her head and looks at you and goes, you don't think I can open a door? You say, no, I just thought that you would appreciate the... um, Men keep doing that. Keep keep doing doing it. You keep doing it because if she's going to be a snot like that, then you can open the door and slam it in her face. But you've done your part. Don't stop being who you are. Don't stop doing the right thing because somebody's an ass. And this is one of the things that I keep trying to push into people. Politically correct spent the last 25 years dominating our culture and has ruined Mm -hmm. so much by um, trying to make us mediocre and trying to make us believe, well, you know, we shouldn't do MVPs because Johnny's going to feel bad about Uh, himself. You know, Johnny needs to buck it up and get on that line and take a hit like like everybody else. I'm sorry. Life's not like that. Life is not exactly. But they've made life like that. And so I think it's really important for us to... To remember that manners and etiquette are not a thing in the past. But it also takes women like you, for example, raising a son. Three. Okay, three <laughs> sons. Three. We just met tonight. But raising three sons to show them through example right. of oh, how yeah. your husband and how you appreciate it. And one of the things that my husband and I do that I would tell to every person that's dating or married is that we talk about what does respect look like to you. Yes. yes. What does that look like? Yeah. And so for me to give him permission to open the door, to give him permission to do the things, and then for him to not feel like he has to walk on eggshells. So that's a right. conversation every couple should have. You know, yeah. absolutely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chime in right there because you bring up a huge point for me. Okay, so what you said was right now about, you know, uh, you know, they'll be raising her son and, and how that lo- what that looks like and all that. Awesome. I think that's right on point. I'm on board with that. So what do you do if you're a single mom or a single dad when you have that situation? You have a daughter and you're a single dad or you have a son when you're a single mom. You know, how do you get that? You know I mean, I think that's where we have a, lot, a huge disconnect in today's society because there are a lot of single parents out there uh, trying to raise a kid. And, I, and I was raised by a so, single mom. So far, you know, into that. But how do you get that other part of that in there? Well, I, have, you seen the movie, have you seen the movie Courageous? Just by any chance, the movie Courageous, it's an amazing movie. Um, at the end of the movie, he takes his daughter out on a date. 
and oh, he, I did see and that. they dress up, yes. and he puts a promise ring on her, yes. and he talks about what he hopes for right. her future with the man that she will choose. I love How that. powerful is that That's for the huge. parent who is the opposite sex to sit down to your child or go out on a date and to say, this is the way that somebody treats you, and to actually go through the motions from a very respectable, loving place. I think that's so cool. It is. I think it's that's a great idea. It's a learned behavior. I mean, it's the little things that you are, you know, taught or <laughs> reprimanded for. And it isn't a horrible thing or a bad thing. It can be the most simple thing. But even buying this book, I mean, I think it would be an amazing, you know, gift for, you know, a single mother or father. And, hey, you know, maybe as a joke, as a, you know, not a joke joke, but... You know, coffee, coffee table, etiquette. Like, these are the basics. Like, your kids follow through. I know a lot of times we have a young daughter. She's 14. Our, our son's 14. And a lot of it's like she wanted to, she didn't want to babysit. And so she's like, well, she didn't hear, she hemmed it hot. And we're like, no, you promised to follow through and go do it. You know, after we explained it to them that, you know, as a parent, we're expecting on you. Now you're growing up. They're expecting on you to be there. Once she understood, she's like, oh, you know, you're right. So we have a little comedic stance here. Uh, we're, we're working on a mic here that will be. No, my mic is fine. It's my headphones that were acting up. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think you turned your mic off. <laughs> Either that or it came unplugged. I don't know. How's that? There we go. Yay. I was like, okay, where'd he go? I'm hearing All this right. echo Call back. But, um, but no, you know, to comment on Michael's uh, thought on single parents, I was raised by yes. a single mom. And. Um, you know, there's a, a part of, yes, you feel like you're overwhelmed, you've got a lot going on, mm-hmm. but there are how you treat those children. Um, if you, By example. I mean, by example. whether you're a, a parent, you know, my, my boys have been really fortunate. My, heather, my husband and I have fought it out. I mean, and, and when I say fight, sometimes, you know, but whether you're together with somebody or by yourself, it still becomes a matter of through the process of, of doing it yourself and showing by example. If you don't have that ability, then yes, by all means, pick up a book. Um, if the common sense is eluding you, by all means, pick up, you know, they've got dummy, you know, um, uh, Apple for dummies. They've got speaking I'm for, sure dummies. They have etiquette got, for dummies. I was going to say, they've got to have <laughs> etiquette for dummies. thick as You know, and, and I don't mean to be rude about it, but there is, we're in the age where there is so many resources. Honestly, there is no excuse to say, um, well, you know, um, we're just really poor and we just don't know. I'm sorry, those kids in school, they have access to everything. You can go to a library. There is, I don't care how poor you are. I don't care if you're living in a halfway house. There's I, no excuse anymore. I think that's definitely a, a definitely a good way to do it, too. Uh, you know, read about it or what have you. But, you know, I remember, I'm just thinking just briefly here. You know, I read I read a driver's manual and then I went and drove. Two big differences between doing and and, be, and reading it. Yep. Um, so there's got to also be someone in your life that's also a role model that shows you what that looks well, like. Well, and sometimes and you have to search for that role model yourself. Well, and that you usually sometimes you don't have to go too far. So I've exactly. dated I've dated uh, single moms with with daughters, and grandpa was big into the picture. Yeah. So grandpa is the one who steps in, forward and you know takes has grandpa granddaughter date night. Has you know done oh, stuff like that. that, and you know, and 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 she doesn't get doesn't miss out. You know, when there's a father uh, daughter dance, he stepped in to take care of that. Oh, I love that. Well, so, and, and there's simple little things too, like um, my my middle child here, both him and his older brother, 
um, they got to go up to Daniel's um, so brother, busy. who happens to be one of our favorite places, very inspirational for us. Great food, fine dining. Um, we would take them up there, and they got to go with a group of their friends. And the manager, um, his name is Bob Kramer, his grandmother put him through six years of etiquette. So he knows all the fundamentals. And he sat the boys down at the table, and he walked them through the place settings. He walked them through how to treat the wait staff. He walked them through where the bathrooms were, how to, to pull the chairs out. Um, if you go to uh, your local businesses and stuff, a lot of them take pride in that, and they love to share it. And it was amazing to see the difference in the boys when they brought their dates the first time, the confidence they had, you know, pulling out the chairs because they had the knowledge, they knew what to do. It's interesting you say that. My grandmother did the same thing when I was 14, 15. She did, you know, with the other, her other friend, her other girlfriend, yeah. you know, grandmother. She's like, this is what you need to do. We Here's celebrated it. Yeah. It was kind of like when I got done, I'm like, God, why am I here? This is stupid. And now I look back, I'm like, thank you, Grandma. This yeah. is great. You oh, know, most definitely. It. Well, and I think, again, a lot of it is how you present it to, to the young people. You know, with the boys, um, I said, you know, this is kind of like a coming of age. You know, this is going to be a lot of fun. And fortunately, Bob made it uh, an amazing experience. And, you know, to his benefit, it was when these young people come in, if they're with somebody who's acting inappropriately, they're going to go, hey, no. You know, they have got a personal relationship. They've met somebody. They know what the boundaries are. They know what's expected. Um, so from a business point of view, it benefits them 100%. But from a personal um, situation, when he goes into any restaurant now, he knows at 16 years old that he's going to be able to sit with anybody of any age and feel confident that, you know, maybe I don't know which fork to, to, to pick up, but he knows I'll just wait and watch the person next to me. What fork do they pick up? And it doesn't stop just with the family. Where I work now, um, there's a younger guy. He's in his early 20s. And he's starting the date, and he's trying to figure it out. And it's always good to kind of go, you know, well, you know, when you you don't want to sit there and dictate, but you can sit there. Where are you going to go tonight? And he's like, oh, we're going to go to this restaurant. Have you thought about this? And like, you know, and yeah. you can talk to him kind of a pseudo mentor without being a mentor, and kind of like, because you can understand a conversation. He's like, yeah, dog, I'm going to do this. He's like, well, who are you going to go out with? You know, have you ever thought about getting a, you know, a small flower? You know, maybe a piece of chocolate. And just talking with them and opening up the door. The dialogue that goes yeah. a long way because then they kind of respect that. you because you don't want to dictate because then they go well. Yeah, they shut, down. Do they just shut down. Well, and I think I think that we all have a personal responsibility. I, I I am married, but I don't have children, and I'm okay with that for right now. Um, but <laughs> that's I, okay. I have okay. three. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm, and I just watch people around me. I just I just watch and learn. Um, but there is something about our social responsibility to exude etiquette wherever we are. So I, I always agree. open the door for people. I'm from Ohio, and there, there's something about Ohio well, yeah. that if you meet someone in the eye, you say hi. Mm-hmm. It's really weird, but when I came out here, I didn't get, I got kind of a weird response back. Yeah. Because I was, hi, 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 hi. Yeah. And it's just, it's how you act, and other kids around, you know, kids will watch that. So if there's yeah. a, a, a kid at the table, and it's someone else's kid, and I see him kind of confused, I'll be like, okay. And you have a moment to teach them. them. Yes, yes. And he sees my husband pull my chair out. Yes. And so, hey, why don't you pull your chair out for your mom? So I think that we're all socially responsible, even if we don't have children. It doesn't stop at your spouse. Open the door. Take the jacket off. I do that with For the girls anybody. around me. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. And and just last week, I was at a dinner party, and I was with a date, and she stood up, and I stood up, and I was the only guy that stood up, and everyone's looking at me like, "Wow, uh, what are you doing?" Awesome. <laughs> well, it, it, like, you know, yeah, I, I did, you know, I did live in Texas, you know, in the South, and that's just what you do. We just you have do. to keep doing those things so that it becomes part of normal everyday life again. Um, this next thing I think really builds into this, and this is where I think a lot of people get lost is the attitude that happens with it is don't. It's snobbishness. Don't be snobby about it. Um, little, 
etiquette's not about being a snob. Don't look down on people just because you think you have more knowledge. Be considerate. Um, yeah. Share that knowledge happily. Um, we're coming to the end of our live broadcast. We're going to be going into a half an hour of after party. Yes. Uh, we knew we were going to be doing this, so we wanted to. Oh, I want to do a quick thank you to our sponsors for having us here. We have, want to thank Pop Chips, Kind Bars, Bellevue, Nordstrom's, um, Joe um, jo Malone, the cosmetics counter. Cascade um, Ice. Cascade Ice. Huge calories. Yes. Kind Bars, Go Girl yep. Energy Drinks. Um, uh, Amazon brought the fabulous appetizers that we had, Amazon Grill yes, in Bellevue. Thank you, thank you. Of course, the little wine cellars for allowing us Delicious. to be here. Um, and then our special guests, both Paula and Amber, and we've got, um, I'm, I know I'm forgetting some others, but we'll list all of our other sponsors on. So uh, stick around for the after party part of the show. And um, if you're live, you'll be able to hear it air a little bit later on. So once the show goes off, then you can go back and listen and, and pick up this last half an hour. So yes. we're going to um, head right back into our third wine tasting that they have graciously um, given us. Uh, I know some of us are looking at a little bit more empty glasses. And um, Deb is over there being the gracious host that she has been all evening. We've been really good. enjoyed um, her company. And so we wanted to hear about this third red. Third one. So this is um, our 2008 signature Syrah. It is 98% Syrah co-fermented with uh, 2% Viognier. So Viognier is a, a white grape. I love Viognier. Uh, so we take the red and white grapes, crush and ferment them together rather than doing blending after the mm-hmm. fermentation process. So this is going to give you a little bit more floral on the nose. Mm-hmm. It's a much softer mouthfeel to the wine. Straws can be a little it's pretty. Sharp I was going to say, this is not a, what I would call a typical no. straw. No, so it, it has a much silkier, smoother um, mouthfeel to it. Definitely. And then um, that co-fermentation process actually makes the wine a much deeper, darker color. Mm-hmm. There's an enzyme in that white grape that helps pull the pigment out of the red grape skins to make it that really beautiful color. Now, um, the fruit from this comes from three different vineyards. It's some Yakima Valley fruit and some Red Mountain fruit. Mm. Oh, wow. Some, uh, so a, a blend of uh, grapes from three different vineyards including our estate vineyard, Grand Ciel. It's lovely. It's a it's a beautiful wine. Um, and we're really excited that in the December issue of Wine Spectator, we got a highly recommended with our label pictures nice. there at 94 nice. points. So oh, I love that. And it has really, really wonderful. It has this really nice vanilla spice that comes on about mm-hmm. mid-palate that is just phenomenal. Does that come from the white? From the, the, the vanilla? No, that's going to come from the barrel. Well, well, the barrel, but also, but... Uh, it's just really interesting that how it comes into the play. Mm-hmm. So it's I never had it like either have it front or on the back end, right. but not just right mid mid palate halfway yeah. through as it's just layers. Mm-hmm. It's just nice, really nice. I, I like that. Layers. We like it. Thank yeah. you. It's fun. <laughs> Thank you, Deb. Okay, so we're going to continue on with, um, we did touch base on the three basic principles of etiquette, respect, consideration, and honesty. Um, You can also add two more essentials, um, qualities, and that's graciousness and deference. Uh, I really feel like graciousness is one of the lost arts right now. We are so um, caught up with uh, what's going on with us and that we have such a hard time uh, my opinion, and, and again, I, I love the way, you know, this is my opinion. In my opinion, I think why it's evading us is politically correct, um, our rights to our opinions, uh, not knowing how to serve others, 
being selfish and unaware, um, and too caught up in our own troubles. These, I really feel, are key parts of why we struggle with etiquette and and struggle really with reaching out and helping the people around us. Yes. Um, Grace, being gracious, learning to serve. Those are the things that do more to feed us and help us than actually the people that we're reaching out to try to help. Uh, And if we reincorporate those as a fundamental of our society and an expectation level of what we are going to demand, our society will rise to the occasion just like our children do. We dictate that. We we have to get to the point where we're going to push that and we're going to say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stand for that. If you're going to be rude, I'm going to remove myself. I'm not going to take it anymore. Because I think society over the last decade, you know, you have to fight for what you want. Yeah. But as we fight for what you want, we come back to go, you know what? I can still be nice about it. You know, you can still be firm. You know, you can still sit there and say, you know what? I'm not comfortable with that. I want to do this versus, you know, F you and this, that, and the other. And I think that's what's happening, you know, that in, you know, in America, that's going to make things work. Now, if you guys were to come down here, you can see the beautiful staff that we have here. We have great uh, light appetizers that you guys all missed, beautiful wine, and uh, you guys should come down the next time. Yeah, you know, the whole focus of what Socially Savvy was about was to, of course, talk about some of these things and then to be able to enjoy and practice them. You know, spend time with people that you either know or don't know. Um, it's a perfect uh, area where you can be a part of conversation. And this is one of the things yes. that wine does for you. It, it takes that, that level of um, insecurity away. It kind of peels that one level away. It gives you a little bit more relaxed and, and to socialize and, and learn to kind of deal with some of these things. Um, a lot of this stuff nobody wanted to talk about because they were afraid to. Uh, we were afraid that if we had an opinion that varied from what culture was dictating at the time yes. that we would be um, pushed out or ignored uh, being rude has become very popular. You take a look at all of our re- reality TV, um, and that's just not the case. Just because media is is showing one picture of a society doesn't mean that that's a, the reflection in the mirror. You know, we make a choice. You know, one kind thing, if you can, pay it forward. Like the littlest thing, the woman in front of me in line at the parking garage is struggling to to find her credit card. And I'm like, I got it. Don't worry about it. And she turned around and she's like, oh, my God. And I'm like, no, just pay it forward. It's no big deal. Yeah. And it just was that one kind thing. I do And that you too. don't expect anything in return. But I'm sure that that, you know, in some way, you know, she'll do that. It makes me feel good, you know, when you're at a, a gas station, you've got that one uh, person who just doesn't have enough change. It's not about money. It's just kind of like, you know what? Just Here's taking the stress away. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's we lose that so easily and it's just doing that one one kind thing well one of the things i want to touch real quick that mike was talking about when you stood up the just for all the guys listening when you come to the table and, and uh, the lady or the your a partner that you're you're dating it's always good to stand up let them sit down first and then you sit down now when they leave the table you don't have to get a full stand up you know in attention you can do a slight little rise and you sit back down that's the way that you were taught to do. So that way you acknowledge that they're leaving, that they're arriving. So right. Because he said that, I'm like, you know, that sat with me. My grandmother drove that into my head. You know, you don't have to sit there. You know, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm yes, here. Up and, yeah. It's just a little, I acknowledge you're leaving. Okay, thanks. It's and, the subtle. It's the yeah. subtle thing. It's like, you know, I'm uh, Stacy Lil is here with the Lil Sellers. And one of the, the reasons I was so intrigued, I mean, I, yeah, she's she's rolling her eyes going, do I have to come <laughs> over here? <laughs> but I wanted I wanted to pay her a compliment because, to me, um, at the different events that I've been to, you have always been 
the most gracious hostess. Yes. You're considered, you, are, you don't come across as untouchable. You bring people in. And um, one of the things about the wine world that I have so loved is there's a lot of people that are like that, but the level that you take it to, I just, I find it intriguing that, I don't know, it must be, I don't know if it's part of your upbringing or. Thank you for saying that. I, you know what, I just really, I enjoy people. I like being around people and I like to have compassion for people and I like to treat people in a way that I would like to be treated. Yeah. And so that's. I, you know, I'm someone who, I'm a little old-fashioned, and I write note cards. I write a lot of note cards I to love people that. because I love getting note cards. I, um, I, just all the things you're saying about graciousness, is those things are very important to me. It's and hard. It takes time. And that's uh, that's the big one. It takes and time. Considerate. I mean, I work at a job now at where they want us to write thank you notes and you can't type them up. You need to handwrite them. And I love doing it, but sometimes you get so lost in, in trying to, you know, do the all the other faculties of your job. That is the the, the nicest touch to say, Thank you for coming in. It was such a pleasure to to meet you. And I remember that person and I'll go back and find them. Absolutely. I do the yeah. same thing. But I love getting those cards in the mail. Absolutely love it. I had a customer come Yeah. I had a, a customer come um, when I had first gone back to work. I'd met her in the first 30 days. Um, I did that, and she came back into town two weeks ago. She found the department manager, and they tracked me down. And for me, it was the biggest compliment that she was like, I, I want to find this person. She helped me last time. I had a great time. We I had heard about her kids at college. I talked about my kids. Um, it was Fun. And those are the things, those are the little rewards I think people forget. When you're gracious, when you bring people into your life, the rewards for you far outweigh the rewards that, that yes. they get. And, and so many people don't realize that. Well, one of the things that is a human uh, nature for us to want to feel is that we're worth something. Yeah. And so when you get something like that, it, it's basically saying to you, you're worthy. Yeah. You were worthy of my time. You were worthy of me sitting down and writing this card. And that actually Validation. feeds our human, uh, something that inside of us as humans we crave. Yeah, And that's why you remember those Recognition. people that, that make you yeah. feel worthy. Yeah. yeah. Instead of saying something negative, everything on Yelp is negative, negative, negative. All the time. Why don't you take them just a minute to say something positive? Write a little note. You know, send a, you know, even an email to that sales manager or, you know, that manager at the restaurant that you just had. I think you said something earlier Oh, my God, that's positive. What did you say earlier? Oh, you get more flies with honey than with vinegar? Yes. <laughs> well, okay, and this is a great segue because there was um, one of our listeners, Diane, who put a story up on Facebook. Um, and this, go, this it just wraps the whole package of etiquette in one little story. Uh, this young gentleman came up to her and asked her when she was due. Okay, um, <laughs> this is just, let me just say, don't do this. Um, but, you know, how so many of us women, it just it just ruffles you. I mean, I've had shirts that just the way they fall, you can look pregnant if you're slouching or, you know, whatever. It could be one of those just off things, and somebody says that, and you're like, oh. you, you know, you just kind of fall apart, and a lot of people get really snippy and very offended by it. What she did, I thought, was beautiful. She looked at this person, and she goes, well, I have to tell you, while I'm not pregnant, I do appreciate you thinking that I'm young enough that I could be. Amazing. I love I like that. It. I thought that that was a, the perfect way of 
of turning it around because so many times that one particular story turns negative 99% of the time. I had never, ever heard of somebody turning it around and making a positive out of it, even though you know her feelings were hurt. But she did. She managed to push it forward and go, you know, and make a compliment out of it. That, to me, is the ultimate in, in etiquette. Single men out there, um, I suggest you talk <laughs> about the hair in their eyes. That would be better. <laughs> In the etiquette book, it says there's a whole section on dating, and it says, you know, start off with a compliment. Yeah. Definitely. Always, always. Well, who doesn't like a compliment? No, but it's on a, be, be truthful about it. It's like one of the things that I love about my wife is her facial, her smile. I love her smile. Till nine years later, I love her smile. I mean, I'm sure LB can say something about her husband, I hope. Oh, yes. <laughs> He's adorable. And friends, too. You know, I, I love a lot of my friends. have good humor. I mean, I like talking to Mike. You know, we've met about two months, three months ago. We have a very passionate for food. And, like, if we get us going on food, you know, the whole smell your spice rack to talk about different wines, we're, we're gone. We're just like, oh, and we do this, and you got the nutmeg, and you got this, and you got the spice, da 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 It's honesty and openness and be truthful. Yeah, no, it's it, there's so much to be gained by etiquette and being um, engaging. And you know, if you again, the whole purpose of the show was because people are out there socializing, but they're not socializing right. They're not bringing people in. They're not making sure that they're comfortable. They're, in my opinion, if you're out in public, you're always on, and you're always the host. If you're in public, you're always the host. Always be the one to open the door. Always be the one. Oh, here, here you, here you go. If you see a need, fill it. If you see a problem, fix it. Be the answer. Be the solution. Help people see that it's not about being negative. We've got so many opinions running around in our head. Um, We're not any different than any other generation, any other demographic, any other time in history. People have always been driven and always had opinions. The difference was when you had all the the high-end, money-making, very strong personalities um, that were considered the upper crust for decades in one room, you didn't hear about them brawling. You didn't hear about them fighting. You didn't hear about them you know, getting in each other's faces after hours and hours of drinking because they were the only ones who could afford the alcohol. They had their opinions, but they were strong enough within themselves to know that they were their opinions. And while I may have a constitutional right to have my opinion, you have a constitutional right not to have to hear it. And I think a lot of people forget that. That the constitutional rights go back and forth. <laughs> cheers. Amen. We haven't cheers, cheers yet. Cheers. And, and you know what I also think? I also think that a lot of times we get so wrapped up in what's going on around us and what people aren't or not doing or are, are we're focusing that on are, the negative are or not doing that we forget what we're doing. Yeah. And so, you know, just I think if you focus more on what you're doing and less on what other or people are look doing. Look at the positive. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. In, in every situation, and, you know, that, that whole are you pregnant yeah. thing just reminded me, in every situation, there's something positive to be found. But it's so always. easy to pick out or to go to the negative yeah, side it of it. Is. So it takes, it again, it, again it, it always comes back to you. takes more work. takes more thought to be kind. Yes. And people just don't want to do that. 2012, we should focus on turning that around Absolutely. because I really do feel mm-hmm. that there's kind of been this negative, you know, energy with in so many places and so many things. Maybe we uh, make New Year's revolutions. I li- I like that because, and I think, um, you know, we're going to phase right into our next topic, and that's how to maintain your waistline through the holidays. Um, but again, I think I found my most success with, you know, segging into that was finding the positive things, why I want to do that, why, um, what are the benefits 
uh, at Thanksgiving, I made a post because I was trying to, you know, I was struggling. I love Thanksgiving. I usually end up like a stuffed hefty bag, you know, tough enough to overstuff. And then I'm in the corner like a puppy. Oh, my gosh. And I'll I'll enjoy wine and food. And I'm so busy enjoying it. And I'm so busy in, in my own moment that I end up just gorging. And this year, I really, um, I was actually struggling to lose weight, and I wanted to make my first goal, and I made my first goal weight the day after Thanksgiving. So, but it came down to what I did was um, I posted, enjoy the people around you as much as you enjoy the food that you're eating that night. Slow down, take a bite, listen to the person next to you, take a bite, sit back, and look at the people. Watch the interactions of them. Watch the light in their face. Watch the enjoyment. Focus on having the people that you love close to you and slow down and breathe. It's the reason for the season. I mean, how many people do you hear around the holidays? Oh, I just want to get through the holidays. And they yeah. treat it like that. Yes. They drink themselves through the holidays. They eat yes. themselves through the holidays. And they never take the time to do what you did, which is to sit back. And what I like to do is my family is very dysfunctional. It's one of the reasons why I moved across the country. <laughs> um, but when I do go back home to visit, I like to sit back and enjoy the dysfunction in which I came from. Oh, my gosh. And just love them where they're at. And that's my motto during the holidays. Each def- different person, no matter where they're at, if they annoy me, if I want to put them in a headlock, whatever that looks like, I, <laughs> I, I love them for exactly where they're at. Yeah. But people try to get through the holidays. And I love wine, and, and you've seen me enjoy quite, quite a few glasses of wine. And um, my husband's going to love that when I get home. Um, yes, 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 all little, little partial little sips. Um, but this is about enjoying the moment yes. and being in the moment. I don't need to drink to get through a sadness. I don't need to drink to get over anger. And people drink through their emotions. And okay. emotions are very real during the holidays. People are dealing with loneliness and sadness and loss. And that is a time for journaling and for scripture and for crying and for talking to somebody. Feel not it. Drown- allow it. Feel it. Yeah, and not drowning it. it in a bottle of wine or in a cake yeah. all yourself. And unfortunately, you know? the movies have perpetrated that view. Every movie that I've seen a lot of, they, the guy walks into the bar and he goes, dude, you look like you had a bad day. Here's a shot. And it's like, why can't, you know, it's not about shooting that shot back. There's a lot of good whiskeys, a lot of good vodka. Sip them. Swirl, enjoy them. Sip, enjoy it. Same with wine. You know, yeah. wine does, you know, loosen you up a little bit. But at the same time, you know, it's about enjoying the quality. That's why we have different varieties of wine here. Yeah. All about gluttony and ethics. You know, yes. excess, and it would be nice to take a step back. I've never had more than three, four, maybe donuts from that donut shop. <laughs> never, ever. Well, when I first started trying to lose weight, um, I ended up with Weight Watchers because I'm not somebody who can say no. I can say I'll eat one one hundredth of the amount that I'm allowed to have, but I won't say no to myself. Uh, and so for me, that particular system worked out really well. And I did that for several years and then kind of, you know, got busy and everything. But um, the, the thought processes roll around in my head. So I'll go take, um, you know, it's like I'll be craving chocolate. It's like, okay, there's that Hershey bar. I'll go take one bite. I'll eat it slowly. I'll enjoy the flavor. And here's the kick. And I'll bet you you can agree with me on this is most people take that first bite and are loving it so much that their thought processes, they're loving every bite after that. Just one more. If you stop and you think in between your bites, you'll realize that your body comes to a point where it says no way before you stop eating. And um, number one, it's more cost effective. <laughs> and have a bite more. number two, you, you'll learn to enjoy the food um, 
more. Like with me, I will not eat. I'll, I'll go two or three or four weeks without eating a favorite food if I found that I'm indulging in it too much. Mm-hmm. Then when I go back to eat it, I appreciate that smaller portion and really enjoy the flavor again, really um, experience it again. We call that triggers. Uh, the one thing through the holidays that's so huge for me um, is that I remove all my triggers. And I know what my triggers are. They're chips and salsa, margaritas, wine, <laughs> uh, chocolate. Uh, and those are things that I will, I will not say no to myself because whenever somebody says no, they retaliate, retaliate as a kid. It makes us mad. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Don't touch that. What does a kid do? He reaches Don't. his hand out you know, yeah. and then acts like he's going to touch it. So we need to learn that that's just something inside of us that we don't want to hear. And so for you, for example, to give that up for three weeks, but know that at some point I get it back be able to have it. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with being able to have it. Yeah. So my triggers are removed in my home, but they're not removed when I go out to parties or if I'm going to be meeting up with friends. I can choose to indulge in wine. I can choose to indulge in food. But when I go home and I'm by myself, that's when I'm indulging because of emotions. Yeah. And if my triggers are there... I will grab the chips. I will grab the the salsa. I will grab the cheese. I have torn my kitchen apart because I've been emotional, and I'm looking for something to fix it. Dr. Phil says, set up your environment. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Phil is right in this case. (laughs) I'm a fan of Phil. Yes, in this this case, I would agree with Dr. Phil. But it's very huge, and and people around the holidays, they have the sweets, they have the baked goods, they have all the wine, they have the alcohol, and they're setting themselves up to possibly fail or, or feel guilty every single night yeah and then they go to the party and they think i already blew it you know i'm done i learned something years ago which i love this it was in a doctor's office i was there and it said it's not what you do some of the time it's what you do most of the time and so that goes that applies to food wine exercise everything that's out there that is good or bad for us if if we're treating it with treating our bodies with respect yeah. and doing things, not it's not what we do some of the time, but it's what we do most of the time. So once in a while, we can have a little excess here and there. But as long as it's being treated in the right way and used, I mean, I'm hearing you guys say there's things that you do as coping mechanisms that maybe get out there sometime, like maybe too much alcohol or maybe too much food. But if that can be reeled in and just most of the time, watch what you're doing. Well, and I think it triggers, too, to the point that we, as a, as a civilization, as a culture, are really hard on ourselves. If we fall down, um, you know, you take a look. This is the first time in we history where up. people will wallow. They will sit there and, and all of a sudden, you know, emotionally, you'll become a four-year-old while you're throwing a fit. And I failed and it doesn't matter now. And instead of, you know, okay, so you over ate for one day. Okay, well, tomorrow's a new day. We call it falling off the wagon. Yeah. I know. Think about it. We have yeah. a phrase called falling off yes. the wagon. And it gives people permission to stay off the wagon for days and weeks and months. And you make a choice as to when you need to get back up. And, you know, the the one thing that I tried to, like, raise my children with, because as a kid I struggled with trying to find balance and, and understand this, is you are running a race and things are knocking you down. And the only difference between you and somebody else who is not succeeding is how many times you get up. You're going to fall down. It's just a fact of life. You're going to labor through life. Somewhere in the last 10 years, we got this facade that we should not have to struggle. I've worked real hard. I've gone to college. I put in my 15 years. I deserve some time off. I deserve. I've earned. You know what? Your body labors for every breath that you take. Why do we think that anything else in our life should be any different? Celebrate the labor. Celebrate the trials. It's about also about taking accountability because if you're yes. in a relationship and you sit and say, I shouldn't have another piece of food. Well, you know, 
I'm an adult. I'm gonna have one more slice. I'm gonna have one more drink. Who the hell are you to tell me that I can't? I'm just gonna, you know, she won't know. I'm just gonna have one more, and that gets you in trouble. But when you take accountability, it's like, you know what? I'm not gonna have another one of those yummy cakes with the frosting and all that. I'm just gonna have one bite and then put it away. And if you do that, you actually feel good about it. You mean I feel bad, good about it right then when you're like, right? You're, oh, you're like, I want to you know. know. <laughs> it goes with wine. Wine's hard. Alcohol's hard. Sometimes you're like, oh, it I, is. I just want to have another little glass. I'm all good. But when you're honest to yourself, and folks, that's the hardest part. We talked about that earlier about being honest with your friends and relationship and who you are. It's hard because sometimes it is embarrassing. It's kind of like, yeah, I do want that extra scoop of guacamole. I love guacamole, by the way. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just like I just want more and more and. It's, Oh, you don't need to have it here. I'll take it for you. you know. Well, the thing the thing with health that is that is hard for people is that it's the one thing that is directly reflected on what you, you put. Do. Yes, it's one hundred percent under your control. Your business. I mean, think about it. Your business and your kids, and even your marriage can have outside influences. Right. Your health is you. You either did the push-ups or didn't do push-ups. You yeah. either ate the food or didn't eat the food. So it completely reflects our behaviors. So that is where we're accountable. Yeah. We may not think that we're accountable. We can put all the excuses out there. I didn't have time. Exactly. I don't know what to eat, but the bottom line is, from physically, like you look at people, you are showing yes. your choices. Exactly. It's very difficult for people to accept that, and they don't want to hear it. Well, and, you know, you know during the holidays, I think it's always a good idea, too, to, to have some of these thought processes in your mind, because when you do go to a party, if, you know, it's like you were saying, triggers. I have triggers for positive things in my head. It's like, if I'm going to go to a party and I'm looking around, one of my favorite things to do is walk around and look at all the food. And and take a moment to see everything that's there. Take a moment to check out all of my options and then pick. Because at any given time, you're not going to sit, you're not going to go into a grocery store and eat everything on the shelf. You're not going to go into a restaurant and eat any, everything that's there. Why, when you go into a party, would you go and eat everything on the table? Make your choices. Enjoy those choices. Um, one of my favorite roles is 80-20, and I love the comment that you said about it, really it's what you do most of the time. So the 80-20 rule is that 80% of the time you're on track and you're living life and you, you have your water bottle and you exercise and you you know eat whole foods and you do what's right. And then 20% of the time you choose to indulge and you own the indulgence. In, enjoy I every minute it. of it. <laughs> I mean, I own it. I say, I choose that. It doesn't choose me. I'm going to choose that. I'm going to choose that. Exactly. So there's moments, and, and if it's 80-20, that's a good ratio. It'll reflect. That's a good ratio. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we're going to have you back in January to help us get back on track from Woo-hoo. our overindulgences. <laughs> uh, you know, yep. it's just kind of the way it goes. But um, we just wanted to wrap up the show a little bit um, for the Socially Acceptable and Unacceptable brought to you by Cascade Ice. Um, only two calories and pop chips, never fried, never baked, think popped. Um, just to kind of round out and reminder, um, it is always acceptable to be polite. Um, if somebody doesn't like the way you're being polite, that's on them, not on you. Um, it is socially unacceptable to be rude in public. I don't care what your reason is. Don't do it. Um, and don't do it. finally, it is socially unacceptable um, to be disrespectful in public. Um, take your dirty laundry to a private room. Don't affect others around you if you find yourself in a that's position. That's no saying. Don't let them yes, air your, your dirty, dirty laundry. laundry in public. And it's very true. Keep, I mean, I think I see, I see that a lot in restaurants where they, you know, that's how... Certain male or female doesn't matter. It's how they win. They just start getting louder and louder. Yep, in public and you're and pushing. Like, just take take it away. You know, people people are out in the world to socialize and enjoy life. Recognize that they're out there because maybe they're leaving their stuff behind. They don't need to hear your stuff. So, 
Um, in preparing for the holidays, we've been popping up with not lots of tips all um, month long and all last month and this month. And I've been posting the additions on my blog site. So with that, the holidays looming around the corner, here's a couple of tips to help you be prepared. I have a question. Yes. Where did tinsel come from? Come on, LB. Where did it come from? Anybody know? Tinsel was um, invented around 1610. It was first invented in Germany, made from genuine silver strands. Um, Machines were invented that shredded silver into thin tinsel-sized strips later on. um, That's an expensive decoration. It was very expensive. Uh, Silver tinsel tarnished and lost its shine with time, so eventually artificial replacements were invented. The original inventor is still unknown. Could you imagine like having to clean that up on your carpet, you know, that crunchiness back then? I still have some of the old tinsel of my grandmother in yeah. the packaging. I'm oh, still nice. sitting there with the pa- I, I pulled it out at Christmas. No, 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 I'm going to wait. One year I'm going to pull it out. Okay, so with that said, we have um, a couple of events coming up. Or, or no, I'm sorry, the holiday tips. Uh, holiday tip number one, check your weather reports often so you know what kind of conditions you're heading out into. Be prepared for weather. Be prepared for what's going on out there. Um, this was an interesting topic uh, really? somebody brought up. Americans throw away 75% of all the Christmas presents they get. Oh, my God. Really? Try something new. Give people experiences and your time. Take us to a show, dinner out, or create a road trip like a wine tasting. Be the designated driver. Serve your friends. That can be your gift to them. So be creative and think outside the box. Okay, coming up events, we have Chick Chat and the Power Chicks, an e-women's networking um, Greater Seattle chapter, F-Factor. They're all joining forces to bring you an awesome ladies group fun night on, um, when is that? I Did I even print it? It's a holiday mm-hmm. mixer. I'm looking through the notes. You're going to have to check our website for that because I can't find it. Yes, this is the day that I'm having. Anyway, um, when you do find it, you'll find out it has um, a lot of fun things that are going to be going on with the Christmas spirit. They're going to be donating toys to um, a couple of different children's organizations. So go to my website, check it out. Or the website. Santa's yeah. out there. I can't believe that I missed. Yeah, I can't believe I missed yeah. the date. That's just crazy. <laughs> we have um, an event that's very close to our hearts coming up July 30, or not in July, okay. December 31st. Um, New Year's Eve, the Roaring Twenties Prohibition Party that we're going to be throwing on the um, Royal Argosy. You're going to be walking into the environment of the 1920s from every little nuance um, to the music that's going to be played. So if you're looking for something new and different in Seattle, this is definitely going to be it. Um, Hit any of our our Facebooks and the websites and links will be there for that. And it works out. You know, it's kind of like we're talking about today, Prohibition, all that. And we just don't, we don't want to forget about the kids and the network. Uh, there are two great organizations, the odosabron.org organization and treehouseforkids.org. Treehouseforkids.org is one of the greatest organizations in the area, and fortunately they have a lot of support, but you can never have too much support. Okay, with that, um, for all our socially savvy fans, be sure to like us on our Facebook page um, to be entered into drawings every month. Uh, we try to announce at the beginning of the month the winners. Go to um, Socially Savvy on Facebook. And we did thank our sponsors. So thank you again to Stacy and Greg for uh, being so gracious to allow us to be here and indulge in your beautiful wines and everybody for showing up. So have a great evening, everyone, and we'll see you next time.